Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. What a nice, nice morning it is. So it's just been a beautiful, beautiful presence of Almighty God here in our sanctuary. I'm thrilled to see this class too. They, they, you are beaming. I don't think you're looking nervous at all either. Uh, it's really been, uh, it's always excellent uh, to see people advance in their relationship with God. We've uh, been talking about seeking here for, uh, well, this is our second week. We began last week. Seeking more, seeking more of what God has. We're going to continue on this theme. I want you to know, uh, just before I really get underway, that if you're seeking more uh, for your marriage, and we can always do that. I just wanted to make note, you look at your bulletin, there is a marriage seminar in Troy. It's on October 28th and 29th with Emerson and Sarah Egrich, which we've used their material in our marriage classes here. So if you are interested in that, Julie and I have already registered and we're looking forward to that because as I said, we can always seek a little bit more. This morning we heard about those who are searching. I was watching the video and I heard Mark say, I was looking for something. And Joanne, she titled her story to us this morning, The Search. She was looking. She was looking for something more. And we all know what it's like to be looking for something. Whether it's something we've lost, whether it's something we don't have but we want. This morning I want to use the image of a home. I think it's pertinent not only for our class this morning, and I definitely want to address this message to the class, but also for all of you, for all of you sitting in the congregation this morning. When it comes to something like a home, when you have a home, a place to hang your hat, you have found something. If you don't have a home, you're looking for that place. And if you have it, the search is over. It's your sanctuary. It's your place of rest. It's your place of privacy. Even if it's just a a room that you rent, you can say, I have a place. And you can leave. You can get up in the morning. You can go away, go to work. You might even have to go on a vacation, take a week, two weeks, an extended time away from that place. But remember what Dorothy said. There is no place like home. We just, it's something about, you know, the comfort of our favorite chair. You can relax in it. You can kick off your shoes when you come in the door. You know, if you have a place to hang your coat or fold it over the the railing, you can just be you and lay back and be comfortable. And when you go away, when you take time to maybe go on a vacation or a day trip, you know your way back. You might need your your map or your GPS to go someplace unfamiliar, but you don't need it to come home. Yesterday, 
we were out of town. We had to uh, go out of town. Uh, Julie's grandmother, who was 100 years old, had been called home to be with the Lord this week. And it was uh, not anything unexpected, but we had to go uh, yesterday to her memorial service, which was about a three-hour drive to the north. And I've been up to Grandma's house many times. I know my way, but not to the funeral home. It's a small town, wasn't exactly sure where it was. I heard her say the address. I punched it into my uh, GPS as Julie was on the phone and she said the address. So I was ready to go. I don't really need to turn it on until we got close, but I turned it on. And it, it, when I turned it on, it said, you have 14 miles to go. And I don't know, maybe 30 seconds later, Julie says, hey, Pat, you just passed the funeral home. <laughs> I said, what? Now, I know they have four of them uh, up and scattered around the, the area. So I said, well, you know, Julie, they have four of them. And uh, I put the address in. She said, you know, we just passed one. So I turned around. I said, well, we're not that far. I should probably go check. And sure enough, that was where we were supposed to be. So when I don't know my way, I can still make mistakes. I can still punch in the wrong destination. I can still have the wrong path laid out. But after we had had the service and spent time with family and we were on our, our way to our home, I don't need that GPS. I can, I'm like on autopilot now. And I know most all of you are. If you've had a long day, you don't need to be told what landmark to turn at. You know every single turn you need to get to your house. Uh, I know every pothole and, you know, our great Michigan roads, too. So I know when to swerve uh, to, 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 so I can avoid them and keep, uh, keep the wheels and tires on my car. Because I know where I'm going. I know that place. Uh, the great majority of us here in uh, this great country and in this church, in our area, we enjoy a place that we call home. But to be a person without a home. That's difficult. That's hard. They are missing something. They're missing what it means to have a place. So they seek. They seek. They're looking. And it doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be a palace. They just want a place. They can say, that's my place. That's my home. Here in the world, and as I said, most all of us in this North America, we have that great blessing. But what about when it comes to our spiritual life? Are we on that? Have we, have we mapped out the right destination? Because we haven't arrived there yet. We have not arrived at our home. In fact, the, the scriptures, the word of God encourages us to press on, to keep seeking our home, our eternal home. And I want to address this this morning with a passage of scripture about seeking this, our spiritual home. And it's at the close of the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews. And we will understand this passage better if we understand a little bit of the essence of the letter. As I said, I want to pull from the closing chapter. So I'd like to give you a little bit of an overview of the whole book so that we understand it. The book of Hebrews is one of contrast. 
it lays out for us the contrast, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant, it had its special days. It had its special rites. It had special rituals. It had animal sacrifice. The priesthood was well-defined. And the book of Hebrews talks all about these things, but contrasts them with the new covenant. And it tells us that these things of the old were just a shadow of what was to come, what was going to be in the new, and what was in that new promise. For the new covenant is not a shadow. It is the true substance of what the old shadow was trying to accomplish. The new covenant is the reality, and that reality is found in only one person, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus who came to earth, who was crucified as our final sacrifice for sin, a sacrifice for all people, a sacrifice that never needed to be repeated or done again. And not only did Jesus die, but what did we just hear in the Apostles' Creed, this creed that this class has memorized and that we all who have been through that class have taken to heart so that we know the encapsulation of the principles of our faith. Not only did Jesus die, but he was buried and he was resurrected and now he's seated at the right hand of God Almighty, the majesty in heaven, and he's alive. The letter to Hebrews takes us from the incarnation, Jesus Christ coming to the earth, and it takes us right up to the throne room of glory where Christ Jesus is alive, resurrected at the right hand of God, and he is there as the mediator of a new and a better covenant. And it's an everlasting covenant, never to be done away with, never to be done again. That's the essence of this book. That's what the writer is trying to get across to us. There was this old, but now the new. There was this thing that you used to do. It's getting obsolete. It's going away. It's waxing old. Here's the new. It's better. It's permanent. It's the reality. And it's Jesus Christ. That's the essence that the writer's trying to get across to us. Now we come to the final chapter, chapter 13. I want to read to you verses 9 uh, through 15. They read this way, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Now embedded in this particular passage of Scripture, embedded right near the middle is verse number 14. That reads, for we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We're looking for a home, a home city. We might have a home on this earth, 
But it's not in an enduring city. It's not in a place that will stand forever. History attests to that very fact that nations rise and nations fall. None will stand forever. But in the present, as we stand in this moment, it's very difficult for us to imagine anything different. It's difficult for us to imagine that one day our home will be no more. One day the very city that our home is planted in will be no more. But on this earth, we do not have an eternal city. But as Christians, as Christians, here we're given this encouragement to look, to search, to seek for the enduring city, the city to come. We seek a city whose maker is is God. We seek a city that will have true and solid foundations. And that search is onward. That search is continuous. That seeking is higher still, even as we live in this temporary world, in this mortal world. Again, Joanne Douglas stood up here and told us the title of her story was The Search. She was seeking. She said, as she talked, I was always searching for something more. And she has found She has found Jesus Christ and she has found a place of community that she calls home. And yet there's more. Yet there is more and there's more for every single one of us. And it's that eternal city, the eternal city of God. And our passage this morning offers us some tips on seeking our eternal home even as we trod this temporary earth. And it does so as it contrasts the old with the new. So class, and all of you here, first, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. The first readers of the letter of Hebrews were being tempted back into the old way. They were being tempted back into Judaism. From the opening lines of the letter to the Hebrews, the writer over and over again makes it clear that old way is over. Don't go back there. There is a new way. There is a better way. So we understand why he writes this, these lines about ceremonial foods. And they don't bring strength. But strength comes from God, the grace of God. And we understand why he writes that we have an altar that the priests cannot come to with their sacrifice. The altar in the temple where the priest poured the blood of the offering is no longer necessary. It's not required. The blood of the animal cannot come to the new altar. The, bro- the blood of the animal cannot come to the new altar of Jesus Christ, which is the cross. The altar of the cross where Jesus was sacrificed, where his precious blood was spilled for everybody. The priest can't come to the cross with that offering, uh, their offering, because it's inadequate. The only adequate offering was the offering of Jesus Christ's precious blood. And it was spilled on this altar of the cross as our final and our perfect sacrifice. And we read the high priest carries the blood of the sin offering into the very center of the temple to make an offering for sin. But it, it says there, the, the writer said, but the body of the animal he burns outside the camp or outside the city. And that's just the way that God had defined it. That's just the way it reads to us in Leviticus chapter 4. 
God laid it out. A bull was to be slaughtered as a sin offering by a priest. And the blood of the offering was to be sprinkled in certain areas of the temple. And the remainder of the blood was to be poured out at the base of the altar. The bull that was slain as a sin offering was then taken outside of the tabernacle. It was taken outside of the permanent temple once that permanent temple had been built. It was actually taken outside the city to an ash heap where it was burned and burned completely. And this gives us an image. It gives us an image of sin and the severity of sin and why sin needed to be taken out. And it was burned outside the camp. The sacrifice was detestable. It was unclean. It was outcast. And is this not the very picture of Jesus Christ and how he was treated? He was treated as unclean. He was treated as an outcast. And he was crucified outside the city, sacrificed outside the city, just as the writer here alludes to. The old is gone. This is an illusion when he's talking about this sacrifice of the priest. It's an illusion to the Old Testament, and that's gone. Jesus has been sacrificed on the altar of the cross outside the city. Join Jesus Christ outside the city. Join Jesus outside the city of the world. Don't be conformed to this world. We cannot have a foot in the camp of the world and a foot inside the camp of the kingdom of God. Come completely to the cross. Hold up his suffering and and the shame of the cross of Jesus Christ as your salvation. Bear the disgrace of Christ, as the writer says here, as your identity. Hold fast to your salvation and that which you found in Jesus Christ because it's not temporary. It'll never wear out. It is eternal. It is not like the earthly city that will fail and will fall. So as you seek more of God, as you seek the things of God, and as you press on towards this, the eternal city, first and foremost, do so by holding on to the truth that you can only find in Christ Jesus. And don't be carried off by all kinds of strange teachings The early church battled against those who said Christ Jesus was not the Savior. The early church fought against many who said the rules and the ways of the old covenant must still be followed. And there are many denominations today that still cling to certain bits and pieces of the old covenant. They haven't come completely outside. They haven't come completely outside the camp of the old covenant. And we've been inundated by a culture that tempts us and even demands us to follow their way. And the the culture would tell us truth is not found only in Jesus Christ. And we're told that as Christians, we're, we're, we're intolerant, we're judgmental. We're falsely told that the loving thing to do is to tolerate sin and to allow it. But it was by the 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 disgrace, it was by the shame of the cross that Christ gave his life and he paid the price for sin. Tolerating sin shames the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. He did not condone sin. Jesus doesn't condone sin. He will never condone sin. Sin was the reason Jesus had to die. And we're falsely told we should tolerate that. And we're falsely tempted by a culture that would say to confess Jesus as the only way. Well, that's just intolerant. There are other ways to receive eternal life. We're narrow-minded. 
We're not open to other ways to be reconciled with God. Jesus was just a moral teacher after all. And there are so many great moral teachers that we could follow that could get us to the same place. They could put us on the path of God, Confucius or Buddha, Muhammad, Socrates, all of them. All of them have died. And yet only one lives. And his name is Jesus Christ. He has been resurrected from the dead. He is the only, only way. He is the only way to access eternal life. Do not be carried away by teachings that coerce us to allow sin. Don't be carried away by teachings that would deny the deity of Jesus Christ and offer to you these other ways that draws us away from seeking the enduring city, that pulls us off the path to our true home. Second, acknowledge God always. In verse 15, we read, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Now here again, we have the contrast. The writer alludes to the Old Testament, but he offers us the new and the better. Exodus 23 and Leviticus 23 both describe what's called the first fruits offering. The Old Testament sacrifice of first fruits was defined to uh, acknowledge God. It was for the Israelites to acknowledge that God had brought them out of bondage in Egypt and that he had placed them into this promised land, a land that was bountiful, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. It was lush. It was what they all had desired, a place that they could call their home. On the third day after Passover, the day after the Sabbath, that's when this first fruits offering was to be brought. Sheaves of grain were to be brought to the priests as a sacrifice. The priests would take these sheaves and would wave each sheaf before the Lord, acknowledging, Lord, this blessing came from you. Lord, our blessing and our provision come from you and you alone. And what does the writer tell us? He says, now let the first fruits be an offering from your lips. Let the first fruits offering be praise to God. Let it be an acknowledgement from your heart about the goodness and the grace that you have found in Jesus Christ. As you openly profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and Jesus Christ as your provider, and Jesus Christ as the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. He's been raised from the dead, interestingly enough, on the day after the Sabbath. Do you see the connection? No longer do we need to bring a material offering on a specific day, but a daily open confession of reliance on Jesus. And third, we read, share with others. Share Jesus with others. Verse 16 said, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Here again, another picture, another allusion back to the Old Testament sacrificial way. The grain offerings, the animal offerings, they all were defined to have a portion, a share for the Lord. 
And most often, a share would go to the priests. And even sometimes, a share would go to the offerer. So there would be something for the Lord, something for the priests, something that brought something for someone who brought the offering. And it was in this way that the priests were fed. They were able to eat. They had meat. They had grain. And in sometimes a meal could be shared also by the one who brought the sacrifice. But we're encouraged to step outside the city. We're encouraged to come out of the camp to openly confess Jesus Christ as the first fruits offering, but also to share him with others beyond just a specific set of people. No longer do we share with just these prescribed people. No, spread the good news of Jesus Christ to all. Spread the good news of Jesus to all because it pleases God. All of you in this class this morning, we have heard from you. I've been able to witness and watch you up here on the screen openly confess your faith in Jesus Christ right here on the big screens. You're not going to have the big screens tomorrow. But I pray that your path comes across someone who needs to hear the good news and that you share the good news and that all of us here would do the same, that we would Make it a point to have our story ready to be able to tell someone about the goodness and the grace that we have found in Jesus Christ. Let's share it. Our time on this earth is short. Our home here is not enduring. It's temporary. Let's make the most of it. Step outside of that earthly city and press on and seek the eternal city. Seek that city that's to come and going to be our permanent home. And as you are seeking that permanent city, do as we've been encouraged here at the close of the book of Hebrews. Don't be carried away by strange teachings. Guard yourself against those things. Always acknowledge God and share Jesus Christ with others. Class, we want to pray over you this morning. We want to pray, and we want to uh, pray that not only what you have taken in this morning would be rooted and established in you, but everything that you've learned throughout this course of study that it would be strengthened within you. So I'm going to ask you to please stand if you would. And I want to invite you to come right up to this altar rail on the platform because we want to pray for you. When Paul and Barnabas had preached the gospel and they had taught many, they confirmed the souls of the disciples. They exhorted them to continue in their faith. And we're going to do that this morning with this group of people who have taken time to learn and to grow and to advance in their faith. And we have a presbytery of elders and ministers who are going to lay hands on them and uh, pray a prayer of faith over them that indeed the Holy Spirit would do a work and root them and strengthen them so that they can move forward as men and women of God. And as we pray, congregation, I would just ask that you too, you would all just 
uh, reverently go before the Lord with us and pray as we pray over this class. Heavenly Father, it is in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the author of life. He is the redeemer of mankind. He is our resurrected intercessor, ever alive to make intercession for us. God, it's in that powerful name that we pray for each of these kneeling before you, Lord. And we pray that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit would begin to move on them now, taking hold of their faith, Lord, that they have advanced over these past months of devotion and prayer and study with you, God, and that you would confirm that faith and that you would establish it, Lord, firmly and plant it deeply. God, make their faith be like a root that goes down deep into good soil. God, may they be like trees that are planted by a river of water. Lord, water their their roots, Lord. Water the root of their faith by the word, Lord. May they grow to be strong and towering trees, my God, bearing fruit for your kingdom. Lord, may they be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Lord, fill them with knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives so that they may live a life worthy, Lord, of you and of the calling that you've put upon them. Lord, that they would please you in every way, that it would bear fruit in every good work. God, that they would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Oh, Lord, if any wind of the world would blow, any trial of life would weigh heavy, any strange teaching would come in as a distraction, God, grant them great endurance. Grant them patience, mighty God, that they may always and ever rely on the rock that is Jesus Christ and stand firmly upon that rock. Look to him and his word to be their guide. I pray, God, that our, that, that the glorious riches of Jesus Christ may strengthen them with power through the Holy Spirit in their inner beings, Lord, that they may, that they may have Jesus Christ dwelling in their hearts forever. God, I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them. You've indeed begun a good work in them and that you would continue it on until until the great and glorious day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we look to you and your Holy Spirit to grant these great favors, that these before you would have testimonies of this day, that they could look back and say, I know my faith was strengthened and I've stood on it these many days or many years. God, do that work. We ask it, we pray it by the power of the Holy Spirit in that mighty and glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.